Steven, we are back. <laughs> yeah, so we were talking off mic uh, before we started, but I think we, Steven and I do a lot of podcasts together, record a lot of different things, and I think we could both agree this is by far the most fun thing that we, so much fun. we like to do. And it's nice and quick, it's easy to do, it has the, it's the best of all worlds, basically. Such a good podcast. 100%. Well, everybody, uh, welcome to season two of Fantasy Football Survivor. Uh, I'm Riley, and this is Steve, and we will be your hosts again this season, which is a great time setting this up and running it last year and creating this little audio journey that we're deciding to just, you know, run it back, and we'll keep it going with uh, a bunch of new twists and turns and adventures and some new faces, too. So uh, just as, like, a reminder to everybody and how this works – uh, Steve and I every week will intro a podcast uh, talking about uh, what is the challenge for the week, what's going on within the game, who, who, what teams have who, and we'll also be interviewing everyone who gets eliminated to talk about what went wrong with their games and what they can do to improve moving forward. Um, it's a great little way for us to keep track of everything that's going on in such a huge, massive league, and I think it's a great way for everybody else to help understand, too. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll kind of hop in here, Riley, too. Just in case we have any new listeners, I doubt we're going to, but kind of explain what we're doing also. Uh, this is, like Riley said, we're calling it Fantasy Football Survivor. Uh, it's basically just a your regular guillotine fantasy league. Like, uh, the lowest score uh, of each week of every member in the league is eliminated. Their players drop to the waiver wire, and then we all have free agency auction budget, FAB, as some people call it. Uh, to bid on those players, and basically your goal, just like it is in Real Survivor, is to survive, be the last man standing, and win the league. Um, and what makes it like a Survivor type thing is, like Riley kind of brought up, there's challenges, there's Survivor twists, there's vote rounds, there's all things that you can imagine. Some stuff we took from last uh, last year will be brought back, there'll be some brand new stuff. Riley's not even really in on the mix, it's all brand new, it's going to be a real twist, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I'm hype. I, I think this will be a nice little change of pace, too, because you'll be unveiling stuff to me live on <laughs> camera, me being an audience, being like, wait, so what's going on? Yeah, wait, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. No, it'll be great. Um, Yeah, so yeah, definitely a couple new rules uh, for this year that we can get into already. So um, first things first, uh, we got two new contestants this season. We're expanding. Uh, it's, it's such a big success. We're expansion from 16 teams to 18 teams. Um, so do you want to introduce our two new guests? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the first guest uh, goes from probably our biggest fan to a member of the league. We're so happy to welcome Shane Flaherty into this league. And it's just an honor to have the guy who pretty much followed this podcast week to week, was locked in as anybody in the league to actually join the league. Yeah, no, we're definitely excited to have him. It was funny because like, I would like go over and hang out with him and he would be like, Oh, dude, that was crazy that, like, <laughs> this thing happened. And, and I'm like, well, this is awesome that, like, you're falling along, you're, you're not even playing. So, yeah, dude, we're happy to have Shane in this league for sure. I yeah. think it will be smart at this. Moral of the story, if you want to be a part of the league, follow along, make us show your interest, and maybe you'll be, uh, next year, be allowed to join in another expansion. So, moral of the story, follow the pod and have fun. And kiss up, too. That's yeah, a huge part. <laughs> Uh, and then our other new member uh, is none other than Ben Wiener. Uh, we had a team name last year that was not Ben Wiener, but now we have the real Ben Wiener in to join us on the league in fantasy this year. We're very happy to have him as well. Yeah, 100%. We're expanding younger, this team. Yeah. 
<laughs> like I said, we have all sorts of ages, all sorts of friends, all sorts of people in this league, expanding our horizons in our friend group. So just it makes it that much more interesting to have younger kids, older kids, and all in between kind of competing for this random-ass league. Yeah, definitely. And um, that's not all. We definitely got a couple of new things to set up from the foundation. So uh, the first rule being that uh, we have the new final tribal format this year. Do you want to uh, walk us all through what that is? Yeah, so I think this is big to kind of get out there right away, not to spring on anybody. Uh, anybody who followed along last year, and a lot of people in the league also recommended a change to this format because how it worked last year was me and uh, fellow league mate Jake made the final tribal. I beat him rather handedly in the final tribal vote, which was me and Jake pitching our games to the jury, kind of trying to sway who played better. But then in the end, in the last two weeks, he just absolutely destroyed me in the actual fantasy football aspect. So we kind of strived a little bit to balance it out, kind of make it a little more even, make the tribal matter more, but still make the fantasy football matter because obviously that's what this is in the long run. So what we're going to do is we are all at hearts hoop fiends. We're our hoop fiends and we're modeling this after the NBA play-in tournament. So what we're going to do is the winner of the final tribal vote basically is like the seven seed in the NBA play-in. What's going to happen is that person has like an advantage going into the final two-week championship round. The, the loser of final tribal will actually have to beat the winner of final tribal in both weeks, individually in the last two weeks of the challenge. So you know how, obviously, normally it would be like two weeks combined score, winner take all in a normal league? Yep. In this, there will be two separate weeks. Let's say it was me and Jake again, and I won final tribal. Jake would have to beat me in week 16 and then beat me again in week 17 to win. Nice. Nice. I like it. It really put, makes like the actual gameplay and the final votes uh, much more valid and much more important. Right. And huge. then it still gives a fair shot for the other person to win, even if they lose the tribal council. But like I said, it, per, it puts way more weight onto the final tribal. And of course, uh, the, the scenario, I, I forget exactly what it is, but we'll get down to it later on. Uh, each vote will give you bonus points as well. But like that, yep. yeah. And again, like it, it, it's not that big of a change in the sense that, like, by the end, just because of how this game plays out with all the players, the good players being available on the waiver wire, like these are the two best teams that, like of all time anyway. Like they're all just like first round picks that are just exactly. like, sitting on there. So it's almost less roster, skill at anyway. that point. So it's more fair that like the rest of the game weighs more at that point because we're all just picking up like literally Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler versus Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey. Like it's, it's almost unfair. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, we're, we're taking out the outcast twist this time uh, and we're replacing it with much like survivor did with the extinction Island twist. Not a big fan of that in the actual show, but uh, in this game, it'll be a little bit more fun. So you want to explain that? Yeah. Again, another change here. This is the only, one of the only other changes I wanted to get out ahead of and let everybody know up front how it's going to work. Because like we said last year, we did the outcast twist and everyone was vying for votes to get back in. I thought it was fun. I thought it worked well. Maybe we'll bring it back in the future, but just not again this year. Uh, how extinction is going to work this year is as each team is eliminated, I'm going to put them in like a separate little pool. I'm going to text them separately on the side every week. And we're going to do a fan, a real survivor football pool. Like, and if you know, don't know how that works, Basically, you pick an NFL team every week. They just need to win their football game. 
And then once you use that team, you can't use them again. So, for example, like the Ravens play the Jets this week uh, in week one. And if you pick the Ravens, they just need to beat the Jets. And if they do, you'll advance to the next week. And if they don't, then you're out and you cannot get back in the game. And then basically when we get towards a certain point in the game, there will be a challenge of all the people who have survived that long to get back in. And we'll explain this more as it goes, but that's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah, it's not just an actual fantasy football league. It's adding a little bit more. We actually have to be paying attention to the actual games going on. Exactly. And like, theoretically, it shouldn't be that hard because you won't be doing it that long. Like a real survivor pool is hard because you're doing it throughout the whole year. You have to plan ahead. You have to do all this. But like, theoretically, you should just be able to pick like the Ravens, Chiefs, like all the good teams and then survive and get to the challenge. And then that challenge will select one person to get back in at a certain point. But like I said, that will be revealed later, that part. Yeah. Awesome. And then our last big thing is we're starting off the game completely fresh too. So rather than having this be an individual game out of the gate, uh, we're starting it just like Survivor with uh, two even tribes. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's Survivor, right? It only makes sense to kind of yep. do it that way. Uh, Corey actually recommended this to me, and I think it was a very smart recommendation. It kind of follows the ebbs and flows of real Survivor. And, I mean, it makes sense. Like, for example, it'll just be the lowest member uh, of the lowest scoring tribe gets eliminated at the start instead of just the lowest score overall. So it adds a little team element to it, and it adds a little – obviously, it's still going to be individual, and it won't go for the whole thing, but it's a good way to do it. Um, and why not reveal uh, the tribes on the podcast? Obviously, most people kind of already know uh, in the league what tribe they're on. But in case anybody who's not in the league is listening, uh, I will update you on the tribes. So on tribe one, we have JP, Hunter, Pal, last year's uh, <laughs> last year's hero, Pal, Colby, Rick, new member Shane, Tim J, Mark, and last year's champion, Jake. And on the other tribe, we have myself, Corey, John T, Dan, Pledge Mile, who we need to talk about, we'll get into later. Yep. Ben Wiener, Liam, uh, Ethan John, and yourself. So we're, we're playing together to start. I'm excited about that. There we go. What, what better way to, uh, to get this started by either having an alliance going or just complete enemies right out of the game? Yeah, we could just go right at each other. First podcast host yeah. out of the game. <laughs> Yeah, that that would be that would be great. Um, yeah, man. So yeah, very similar stuff. It, it'll be uh it'll be fun. And but yeah, why don't we dive in a little bit more into the uh all the teams and people that you we think that are going to be huge contenders. That right projections again. Obviously, it's early, but teams we think we could go late, and then teams we think will be out and probably just enjoying the podcast. We're <laughs> just not even paying attention at all. <laughs> yeah. No, solid, solid chance. Um, so, yeah, in terms of uh, the best teams to watch this season, I think there are a couple good ones, and I think you and I mostly agree on uh, the three the three that we think are the, the biggest ones. Um, so I think the first one I, w- I wanted to bring up was, uh, was Corey's team, Team Xander Hastings. Um, so Corey's team is fairly well stacked, the biggest names on his team being – uh, Alvin Kamara, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Corlin Sutton and Jalen Waddle, um, which again may not seem like a lot in this league, but or in general, but in this league is definitely key. I think Corey came in with a pretty solid draft and walked out very well. Yeah, I mean Corey knows what he's doing in fantasy football. 
it shows again. He made a late run last year. It wouldn't be surprised to see him do it again. I think he was smart of him getting Mahomes early, and then he built around it with good skill players. He's definitely going to be a team to watch for sure. Yep, definitely. Uh, for me, I needed to give a call out to somebody who I thought drafted incredibly well and had the best strategy going in. Uh, Colby Donaldson, Team Colby Donaldson, uh, Colby Morgan, your brother, I thought had the best strategy going into the draft. He right away had the first overall pick. Boom, he took Josh Allen. A lot of people I was with were surprised, shocked, but I personally was not. I thought it was an incredible way to start off the draft, and I followed in his footsteps also drafting quarterbacks from my first two picks uh, as he drafted Jalen Hurts with his second pick. I thought that was a perfect way to start his draft, and his team seems to have come together really well having also A.J. Brown, Elijah Moore, Damian Pierce, who everyone loves in the fantasy world. I really like his team. Yeah, and I asked it to go a little bit more inside baseball with that. Um, I was texting him on the side right before the draft started, and it, this was going to be a strategy no matter what. It was to, like, he wanted to get Josh Allen and go two quarterbacks as early as possible. And then what, what made it so funny is that he ended up getting the number one overall pick. And <laughs> oh, so he was going to do it no matter what. That's funny. Yeah, it, well, and he, he was going back and forth with it because, obviously, as, like, does everybody know, like, for fantasy right now, it's, like, number one overall pick is, like, Jonathan Taylor's, like, the clear number pick, and then it's everybody else's huge question marks. So he was definitely wavering back and forth, but stuck to his guns and went in with his draft strategy of two quarterbacks, and I think it definitely worked out for him. Yeah, definitely. Was there another, who was the other team that we wanted to bring up again? So the other team is like ESPN keeps saying that um, Stephen Fishbach, which is Tim's team, is projected to be the number one <laughs> overall team. But I don't know about you. Like, I just don't see it. Like, if let me read off some of these names out here. So he's got McCaffrey and Andrews. Those are good, solid picks. Um, but then his two quarterbacks are Jared Goff and Daniel Jones. Oh, that's that's gross. Yeah, and then he's starting uh, Thielen and Brandon Ayuk and Melvin Gordon. And, like, I guess to the point where, like, none of these guys are going to – I don't think any of them, I guess besides McCaffrey, are going to be able to, like, win you a week in particular. But maybe that's why ESPN projects him so high is, like, they're all solid floor guys. Like, I, you can't picture them putting up a lot of duds, you know what I mean? Right, and obviously Tim being first out last year, notorious for being first out in a lot of Survivor things we do. Uh, probably won't happen this year because of something we'll talk about later. But I don't know. I think I think his team is less should be less hyped than ESPN is giving him credit for, just because of the quarterbacks. I mean, we know how important they are. Uh, his the rest of his skill play, uh, position players are good, but when you're relying on Daniel Jones and Jared Goff, two of literally the worst quarterbacks I have had the privilege of watching in my like eight years of watching football, that'll be a problem. Yeah, and I, I guess. The, the saddest point is you got to feel bad for him is because like now he actually has to like pay attention to how like those two guys are doing and it's yeah. like they're just boring to watch in general. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess those are like those are like the big three teams. Um, I think I'm trying to think if there's anybody else I'd like to call out. JP's team was pretty good. He kind of stacked up on um. A lot of the Chargers guys with Eckler and Keenan Allen, and then he drafted my guy Ramondre Stevenson to be his RB two, who I think is going to have a huge year this year. Um, and then he, another guy who's just certified branded Riley guy, Derek Carr. Love that, love those picks. Think everyone's going to pop off pretty well this on this team too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think those are all the, the four teams I'd like to actually want to talk about. Now we can talk about the uh, the stinkers. We can piss some people off here. Yeah, um, I mean, this is I, 
the yeah. highlight of the show, something that we need to talk about. We're still not quite exactly sure how this came about, but Team Pal on auto draft last year we thought was bad, but we have the singular worst drafted fantasy football team we've ever seen this year. Yeah, and, I mean, it's really bad. <laughs> What's funny is, like, there are some other teams that are great too, but um, I don't think anyone can beat this team. So this is Team Pledge Mile, who's our friend Jake, Jake G., um, so remember how we were saying that drafting quarterback early is normally the way to go. Well, I, somebody did not get the memo until it was far too late, um, and ended up with again relatively decent skill positions: Dalvin Cook, James Conner, Juju, George Kittle. Like I think these are guys who all could have a pretty good year this year. But um, he has <laughs> for his two quarterbacks. He actually has three quarterbacks to be fair: um, Malik Willis, yeah. He's got Malik Willis, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Deshaun Watson. Um, three of those guys will not be playing in week one. In fact, most of them probably won't be playing this year. Um, <laughs> and he also has DeAndre Hopkins on his team that he drafted, who will definitely not be playing in, for six weeks. So, uh, yeah, pretty pretty, pretty shocking all around. It's like, even though, like, say what you will about, like, Tim starting Jared Goff and Daniel Jones, but, like, at least those guys will be able to put up double-digit points, like – Malik Wills will not be able to put up any points. Yeah, that's a guaranteed zero right off the bat from the quarterback spot. And obviously he doesn't necessarily have to play the second quarterback, but like he would hope to have like a better player to put in that uh, offensive player spot or uh, super flex. And he's playing Tyler Higgins, like a really bad tight end. So he's in a world of trouble. But what makes, again, what makes this a little bit more interesting this year is the starting in tribes. So if his tribe carries him a little bit, who knows what will happen. Maybe he can survive. Maybe he can get a quarterback off the waiver wire. But if his tribe goes to tribal council right off the bat, I cannot see him being the, a higher scoring team than someone else. No, God, no. Yeah, no. It, I mean, it's a bit like Sandra, right? Like, Sandra was not good at any challenges at all, but she was always on a tribe that was that could kind of carry her th- yeah. through a few few weeks. So maybe we see with a couple of guys on the waiver wire and he knows how to play with the fob a little bit better than some other teams did. It is um, it is nice that he is on our tribe, our me and yours tribe, because we feel like we should be at least safe for, for the first uh, round or two, just to throw him under the bus. I'm sure he'll die. Well, gotta well, be. So. Yeah. It's a nice little safety net for us. Definitely. Um, another team I I, uh, I wanted to to bring up was um, our fellow hoop fiend Osborne Eddie George. <laughs> um, honestly, a, a, not a bad team on the surface. He's got Devonte Saquon and, uh, and um Aaron Rodgers, but um his bench is very very thin even for like a league like this where he's got. Uh, Flacco is his other starting quarterback who, I mean, say what you want about about him as a quarterback, but obviously a chance he doesn't even play this week, and if he does, he's going against one of the better defenses in the NFL, so uh, jury's still out. Um, I'm going to be conflicted when that, if that happens. I know. <laughs> I know, yeah. What, what, do you, what do you even say about that? Because, like, if the Ravens lose to the Jets, it's like, well, Flacco's playing well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. Um. Not 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 a bad team overall, but I just wanted to call that out. Just that like rooting for Joe Flacco is like never a key to success. Yeah. Uh. Another team I kind of wanted to call out. Um. He's been my nemesis all this year in fantasy. Uh. We go by the same name sometimes. Uh. And he actually has my name in his team name. 
the speedling spectaculars or speculars. Um, that's Hunter, um, who does not have two quarterbacks. He's actually relying on Tom Brady to be his sole quarterback. Uh, he drafted Kenny Pickett, who lost or lost the starting uh, uh, job to Mitch Trubisky. So he's going to be stuck using one quarterback to start the year. Definitely not the smart. Uh, the excuse me, the best position to be in. And the rest of his team is fine. You know, he has Jonathan Taylor, which is going to be huge. Uh, he has Michael Pittman, Dalton Schultz, Tyler Lockett. Decent players, but I don't think he's in a great spot. No, I, I, I think it, it, that is definitely always a bummer, and you never really know. It, the, the, that's one of those things where once the quarterbacks go flying off the board, you, by the time he comes back around to you, you're, you're relatively screwed. Because um, I think he got his first quarterback um, with Brady in the third round, and so by then pretty much everybody else was gone. That yeah. was like a really worthwhile, huge pickup. Um, no one else was going to last to the end for him. So, uh, yeah, he's stuck with a lot of Seahawks too, which is not an offense I'd really want to be a part of this year. Um, so that that's a little bit of a bummer as well. Yeah, but that's um, all I had, unless another one stuck out to you. Yeah, no, that's uh that's pretty much it uh, for me too. Um, well, it's always I know, fun on this podcast just to rile some people up, make some people angry by calling out their teams, either in a good yeah. or a bad way, right? Because the teams we're calling out in a good way, we're putting targets on them. But yeah, teams are calling definitely. out in a bad way, we're just making fun of them for no real reason. Well, um, I, I also want to say this. Uh, Liam's team is a decent team overall, but hopefully he can last best week to this this time. Um, <laughs> he, he's got another guy who is a certified Riley guy with Marcus Mariota, but I don't think he's going to be very good this year. He's also got James Robinson, who is a little bit of a, a question mark in the in that Jaguars offense. And then he's got Marlon Mack, who isn't a, on a team anymore, and Brian Robinson, who is in the hospital. So um, <laughs> not a team you really – of guys you can really rely on for huge, huge games. Yeah, he's going to have to turn on the managing to 10 and try and survive a little bit longer this year. Love to see yeah. him pass long and put a competitive team together this year because he's always fun to have around and keep uh, keep things uh, fresh in the league. He, if he gets eliminated early again, we, we're definitely not going to let him get eliminated. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and yeah, so I guess if we're just going by elimination weeks, um, I think it, it for us it's pretty obvious that if if our tribe loses, it's probably going to be Pudge Mile going home, just as like the big, the big rock that's going to sink the team. But um, <laughs> if not, if let's say for some reason our team does end up winning, uh, what what uh, team person from the other side do you think is in the biggest trouble? I'm going Hunter. Just the lack of not having a second quarterback. Uh, I have no problem calling him out. Hunter or, or and then why not just throw out Pal because Pal's I don't even, I didn't even look at his team, but. <laughs> I, I just think it's funny to throw him out there. I think he's in trouble because, you know, he's pal. He was always in trouble last year. But, I mean, he drafted this year, so he has no excuse. He has to perform. He, has, he can't blame the auto draft for anything bad that happens. Uh, I, I could see him having a target early. Yeah, especially because his other quarterback is Gino. So, uh... <laughs> that, yeah, that's tough. At least it's a, a quarterback. Last year he did didn't really have one so that is fair yeah at least there is a quarterback wasn't he rolling out like Andy Dalton multiple weeks yeah, as his only not. quarterback I like helped him I like felt bad and like helped him get Andy Dalton otherwise he would have been and like it's different I felt like because he couldn't show up to the draft last year like auto draft was screwing him over because it didn't recognize the, like that you needed to get a quarterback kind of yeah. uh, whereas Pledge Mile just like completely screwed it up on his own like don't feel bad at all 
No. Yeah. He just he just lost it. <laughs> um yeah, so I, I think that that's pretty much everything. I, I guess um before we get into uh we close it out, let's just talk about fantasy in general. Um any guys that you're pretty high on this year within the league? Yeah, so I thought this would be kind of a fun way to close out the podcast because we don't get a ton of time to talk about actual like fantasy takes on this podcast. So why not throw some takes out in the beginning, right? Uh, see if we can get it in on wax. Be like, oh, look what I said in the beginning of the year about this guy. Uh, th- that being said, my favorite player almost in all of fantasy this year, I'm trying to trade for him in like every league. Uh, it's Juju. I love Juju. I've always loved Juju, but I've had to hate him because he was on the Stinky Steelers. He played with Stinky Big Ben, and I've never really got to like fully on root for the guy. I always had to be like annoyed at his TikTok dances or whatever. But now he's with Jackson Mahomes. He's with Patrick Mahomes. He can have fun. I think he's in an environment where he's really going to be able to thrive. And it doesn't hurt playing with maybe the greatest quarterback I've ever seen besides Justin Herbert. So I, I think it, Juju, I mean, he, I think two or three years ago, was a first-round pick because of how good he was in some of his elite-level days with Big Ben. So I don't know. Going from the worst quarterback I've ever seen in last year, Big Ben, to Patrick Mahomes now, I think he's due to be like, a first or second round value that's going in like the fifth round. No, I I think so too. Um, it was always kind of weird to me that like people were so down on him because like he's by far the most talented player on that uh, receiving court. It's actually proves something besides Kelsey. And you know, with Tyree Kilgong, Kelsey's going to be drawing all the attention that hopefully leave time for Juju to uh, to get some contested balls. And like as a receiver, Juju is fairly similar to Tyreek in the routes he runs. So I think it, it, it will – I mean, obviously, Tyreek's a much better receiver, but it should be an offense he feels relatively comfortable in. And so, he, yeah. He's still really young, too. It's not like he's just, like, this 28, 29-year-old receiver who's just, like, on his way down. Like, he's still, I think, 25 years old. Like, there's still peak value, I think, that hasn't been reached for Juju. Yes, I agree. Um, a guy that I was definitely – I got him in one league, another league that you and I are in together, and I was absolutely jazzed, was uh, was Kyle Pitts. I'm a, I'm a big Kyle Pitts guy. I think he's the truth. I think as an offensive player, he's like the next generation of guys. Um, he will not have to worry about competing for targets at all within the offense he's in because there's no one else on the team who can even catch. Um, he's a great route runner. He can play both tight end while also lining up within the wide receiver position. And he's got a quarterback in Marietta who loves throwing to tight ends. I mean, seriously, like that guy made Delaney Walker, like <laughs> an actual like good player. So um, it, with the talent like Kyle Pitts, I think he's only going to be able to thrive. And um, I think especially in, they're going to be in an offense that's going to constantly be behind and having to throw. I think Kyle Pitts will be huge. Well, yeah, and I mean, we he put up numbers that uh, at the tight end position as a rookie that we've never seen before. And the only reason in fantasy it didn't jump out is like, oh my god, this guy is like a legend, is because he only scored one touchdown. And like that's that's something that is like uh, I don't know how to phrase it. I guess it's like an anomaly. That's the word I'm looking for. A guy like Kyle Pitts is going to score more than one touchdown this year, no matter what. Like he's that good. It doesn't matter how bad Mariota is or how good he is. If he just gets, like, five or six touchdowns, he's probably going to be, like, a tight end two or three at the very least. And like you said, the sky's the limit. So I definitely agree with you. He's definitely going to be a guy I'm watching this year. Yeah. Um, 
Any, anybody else, or do you want to move on to the bust disappointments? Uh, I'm going to throw out two more receivers, just because I, uh, I love wide receivers, and it backs my theory of why I was going so running back heavy early on in drafts, because I love like the mid-value in wide receivers. Uh, two more guys I love, Amon Ra, St. Brown, and Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson was literally one of the best receivers in the league back in the day when he played in Jacksonville with like Blake Bortles throwing in the ball and quarterbacks like that and yeah he had some tough years last year last year specifically playing with Justin Fields but you could tell that guy quit he had no interest in playing with Matt Nagy playing on the Bears and I think just going over to Matt Stafford a Sean McVay offense as a wide receiver too I think we're about to see uh, what Allen Robinson was in the past again which was an elite receiver a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy I'm really excited to see him play with like an elite quarterback and Amon Ra, I don't really have a lot to say about him. Just I love him. I love him as a player. This is more eye test for me. He was amazing towards the end of last year. Goff stinks, but he was still able to be good. I just love the talent more so than any reasoning I'm going to give. I really love him in general. Yeah, no, that's a good one too. Um, I get. I guess I, I want to do one more now. Um, <laughs> Uh, Christian Kirk, I actually tried to get in a lot of different leagues. I know that like everyone was making fun of him because of like he got paid like a crap ton of money and he's just like not as good as the contract he got. But at the same time, like he actually can produce as a receiver. Like he he played relatively well uh, as the second wide receiver within uh, the Cardinals offense last year. And I firmly believe with the amount of money that they paid him, they're going to want to feature him very heavy and get him running routes as much as possible. He's going to be on a team that's going to be needing to throw the ball a lot. And Trevor Lawrence is likely going to take a step forward and be a much better quarterback than last year. Like you would, you would assume. So he's going to want to go to a guy that he can trust and is reliable running all the routes. And I think that'll be Kirk. And uh, even though the team is going to stink, he's out there going to be catching passes. So I'm in on him this year. I'm, I'm fully in on the Trevor Lawrence leap this year. I don't, Last year was such a fluke. Urban Meyer was a disaster. The whole offense was a disaster. And he was still competent. I I almost have Trevor Lawrence as like a quarterback sleeper as well. I know you have him as your QB1 in uh, our yeah. game, Which like it, on paper is bad, but like, I don't know. You never know. I mean, he was one of the best quarterback talents coming out of college. And I think he's going to need a wide receiver one. So both of them I do really like as well. Do you throw out a, any running back? We didn't give a running back love. I'm trying to think of a running back. Um, I mean, for some odd reason, like Elijah Mitchell was going like super late in drafts. And I think it's just because like the San Francisco running yeah, back just, thing. Just but, because like, the Niners are like dumb. <laughs> but dude, like he was so good last year. You know what I mean, oh, yeah. like he was he was incredible last year as a. And he's got like a ton of rushing volume. So like if they can keep it up with him, they clear they ended up clearing a lot of those like other names out. Like I know like Trey Sermon is gone. They cut him. And like a lot of these other guys aren't aren't that great. I know Jeff and Jeff Wilson's like the backup to Elijah Mitchell right now. Um, the question I don't think Debo Samuel is going to be getting the amount of rushes that everyone seems to think, just because like wasn't the whole reason that he like wanted to get traded was that he hated like doing all the QB running. So yeah, maybe like yeah, so maybe they'll talk to like Shedhead about that and they can get more involved with just just Mitchell up there. So. I don't think I'm trusting to be like my number one running back, but I think he'll play it pretty seriously. I don't think anyone denies the talent. It's just Kyle Shannon sometimes will be like, you know what, Jeff Wilson, man, let's just do it. Yeah, it sucks exactly. to have one on your team sometimes. I I like AJ Dillon. I I, I think 
Aaron Jones will be used as a receiver a lot because the Packers don't have those. So I think Aaron AJ Dillon's gonna have a big year running the ball a lot. That's all. That's all I got on running backs. But no, dude, I, I know I'm I'm with you. I when I look at that offense, I think of uh the Saints from was it 2017 where they had like the two headed monster of Mark Ingram Kamara, and Alvin Kamara, and it was like. Mark Ingram was the guy like you just kept running up the gut up the middle and then Camaro was like more of like the guy out in the slot and I think that'll be what Jones is and Dylan will be in the Mark Ingram role and look I mean both of those guys were great that year definitely all right we can go to bus I only have really one I want to talk about we can do this relatively quickly unless you have multiple but uh no yeah you go ahead uh yeah the guy I want to talk about you're not gonna like this because I know you're a big fan of him and have him probably multiple leagues at least I'm going right at the top of the draft, a first-round pick. It's Najee Harris. I am super, super – have I told you this already? Did I give you my pitch on this already? Yeah, you told me, but, yeah, give it to the audience. (laughs) Yeah, I'm super, super anti-Najee Harris this year. Um, Reason – I mean, there's lots of reasons you could say, like, Big Ben being gone is actually, like, a good thing for him. But I'm pitching just that the fact that Big Ben being gone is actually really bad for him. Because whether it be – it is Mitch Trubisky, they have confirmed, but or if it's Pickett. There's zero chance that they have a noodle arm like Big Ben where they have the need to dump it down to Najee as much as Big Ben did. Big Ben dumped it down to the running back the most I've ever seen a quarterback do, not because of, like, strategy or because of, like, game plan. It was because he just, like, couldn't reach receivers. There was nobody else open ever, and he would just, like, dump it down to the guy because I can't move, so let's just give it to this guy real quick. And I just think it's going to have a huge impact on his amount of uh, – receptions this year especially in like PPR leagues or whatever I don't think he's going to have near the receiving volume that he had last year and as a runner I mean he's really good obviously he's a first round pick for a reason but I think teams are going to be stacked in the box against the Steelers I think he'll still be fine I just think he's going to be disappointing a good amount of people this year that's fair I guess in my pro Najee stance it's only because they actually did end up improving the line I'm pretty sure they had the worst offensive line in the NFL last year and he ended up still being pretty serviceable um, so maybe with a slightly better offensive line, they'll be better. Plus, like, he's just super talented. Like, he's just awesome. Every time I watch him, like, just fertile people, it's, like, the coolest thing in the world. So I, I just believe in the talent there. And, um, I mean, I know they have they have a pretty good skill room in general, the Steelers do, but I think Notch is, like, their most dynamic and their best player. So I, I normally in an offense, you want to give the ball to your best player no matter what, and – Najee's their best player, and so he'll just constantly get fed. Yeah, definitely. It's good. He's going to be a polarizing guy for sure, especially between me and you, I'm sure, throughout this year. Yeah. Um, I think my guy, I, I already kind of hinted at it, but I think it's Debo. I, I just – because he's a, he's a really good wide receiver, and they'll be throwing – and I, we don't really know what their offense is going to be like, number one. We don't know if they're going to be throwing it as much as they did with Garoppolo, with, with Lance. Number two, I don't think they're going to be rushing it with him as much. As I said, he was kind of just like, you know, can we cut that out or I want to be out of here? Um, so I think to appease him, they'll they'll try to limit his rushing ability, which is one of the reasons he's going as high as he actually is. Um, so I'd be nervous about him. I think he's still going to be relatively good as a wide receiver because he is such, such a talented catcher. Um, but I just don't know what that offense is going to look like. It's a lot of huge question marks there, and I don't think his rushing upside is going to be there. Yeah, I don't hate that take. Uh, and he's also very injury-prone. If you said it, I missed it. Um, last year, he was really healthy and played most games, but prior to that, he had a lot of injury issues and barely was able to play like 10 to 12 games. So 
who knows if those show back up as well. It's hard to waste an er, uh, late first round, early second round pick on a guy with you all the problems you said and an injury issue. So it's definitely a good take, I think. Yeah. Um, I also have another guy for running back is I just don't buy James Conner this year at all. Interesting. Um, I just because I thought his touchdown uh, rate was incredibly fluky last year. Um, he had like a crazy amount of crazy amount of touchdowns last year. Uh, I think 15 rushing touchdowns and uh, three receiving touchdowns. Um, that was when the team was playing a lot better. And uh, I don't think the Cardinals are nearly as good this year as they were that year. And I don't think they're going to be rushing it. Plus, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's that talented of a, a running back, to be honest. Like, he's okay. He's a serviceable talent. But, um, I mean, his big year was when Le'Veon, when Le'Veon left and the Steelers' offensive line was still, like, incredible that year. Um, but every, every time besides then, he's only kind of been relatively mediocre to average. And last year he just kind of fell into some incredible touchdown uh, situations. And I don't think that – uh, kind of stance is going to be there for him long term. Yeah, uh, I'm going to combat you a little bit on this one. I agreed with your Debo take. This one, I actually am a little bit pro James Conner, and okay. I'll give you two points to kind of combat it. Um, one, I agree with you about, like, I agree, he's not really a great talent. I agree with that Pat, uh, part of it. But there's two things about the Cardinals offense that I think kind of uh, sway me towards his side. One, they don't have Chase Edmonds this year. So I think he's going to be on the field way more than he was last year. And two, I think the Cardinals like realize they can't like run Kyler into the ground that you'd like to use him in the goal line a lot to run it into the end zone. But I think they know they have to be a little more careful this year. So I still think he has a decent touchdown upside, uh, but who knows? I mean, he could also just get hurt too. And he's, he is an injury bug as well. So who knows, but that's, that's my little pro uh, James Conner stance. Yeah. Um, I, I also, I want to touch on, on Tyreek. I don't really know how people feel about him. It's more like, do you trust Tua? And I, I don't do. really know. I, I don't do. think I do. I You're do. in. I am so in on Tua. We don't have to, I'll do this on like a season preview pod with JP or something. But I fucking believe in Tua. I really do. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that one goes then. I would actually love to be on that pod so we could talk about Tua. <laughs> I'll, I'll phone you in just for the Tua tips. But yeah, I mean, that'll that'll totally have an impact on Jalen Waddle. So, uh, I mean, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill well, and Jalen Waddle too, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Without, to be fair, Tua also could just dump it off to them a bunch. And they still could be good in fantasy, even if he sucks. But whatever, we'll move on. Uh, this is fun, Riley. I'm glad we got to do this. Um, I'm really excited to have this podcast back, like you said. Uh, we'll be back every – this whole podcast will be dropping pretty much every Thursday – uh, barring changes and like Riley broke down at the beginning of the pod, we'll have a guest on the first person eliminated every week to kind of react to what went wrong and why, what led to them being eliminated. And then we'll have obviously like the breakdown of every event the week before, week after, go through the waiver wire and all that, like Riley said. Um, we'll also be back uh, every week starting next week with our, nah, it's, I don't think it's our favorite podcast anymore, but it's our, one of our favorite things to do, the QB rankings. It'll be fun to do that again. Probably our sixth year, I think, Riley, doing that. Yeah, I think so. Josh Rosen's first year. <laughs> we'll have a rotating cast of characters on to do that every year, uh, every week as well. Uh, stay tuned at Hoopfiends Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok for all that's dropping every week to stay updated and stay up to date. Um, Hoopfiends will be back in October. 
uh, yeah, they'll be back at some point. Who knows? But we're taking a nice little break unless another crazy trade happens, a la Donovan Mitchell, which we are about to discuss right after this. So looking forward to that. And like I said, at Hoopkins Pod, Twitter, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. How do I fuck? Where's the stop button? Another episode of your favorite show.